Oh, well, good morning. And I know normally we greet one another with that good morning, but so far this has really been a good morning. Uh, this has been great. So Jeff and Linnell, thank you so much. I am so glad God has brought you to be part of our church family. And I'm thrilled that the house has a contract and praying that it finishes and sells and they get settled here. And I think God's just going to do tremendous things through them in our church family, as well as in just the Waverly Shell Rock area. Uh, today we are continuing on in our unexpected series as we study the Sermon on the Mount. So if you brought a Bible or you've got a Bible app on your phone, open it up to Matthew chapter 5. If you do not have a Bible and would prefer to have a paper copy like me, go old style, feel free to just raise your hand up in the air and one of our ushers will hand one of those to you. Um, if you are allergic to paper and you have a blister on your thumb so you can't scroll on your phone, I've got the scripture on the screen. So no one's escaping today without seeing it. All right, so Matthew chapter 5. As you're opening to Matthew 5, I want to ask, how many of you know what a life hack is? Okay, yeah, several hands go up. All right, if you don't know what one is, a life hack is a hack that supposedly improves your life. It makes things simpler or more efficient, might help you get more organized. It, uh, it's things like, oh, I this week saw one that you take a ketchup bottle, you wash it all out after you're done with it, and you put your pancake batter in it, and then you use that to squeeze the pancake batter onto your skillet. That way you're not dealing with messy ladles or anything like that, or if you want to get really creative, you can make letters. So there's one life hack. Uh, another one that I saw this week, I'm thinking like, doesn't everyone know this? But apparently not. If you don't know which side your gas tank is on, you just simply look at the little uh, gas icon on your dashboard, and there's an arrow pointing which side you go to. So if you're like my house, we have two different vehicles, and they're on opposite sides, and you sometimes forget which one is. All right, so that's a life hack, all right? So that you really walk away today with something, I brought one to you. So here's a short video of a life hack. Plastic grocery bags. They're worth hanging on to, but they can quickly take over your drawer space. To eliminate the clutter, simply flatten them out and fold the bags in half lengthwise. Now lay them in a straight line with the handles overlapping the bottoms of the previous bags, then roll the whole thing up. You can add as many bags as you want, and in a couple of minutes, you'll have an instant bag dispenser that'll take up very little space. Now if you put this in some kind of container, it'll dispense one bag at a time whenever you need it. So. If I absolutely bomb today in teaching you, you're walking away with something helpful, all right? You are welcome. There are, there are people that go nuts over these things, all right? They, like, that's King of, King of Random. He has tons of these type of videos. That was just one of, like, top ten. Uh, and there's, you know, hacks for makeup and hacks for your car and hacks for school homework. And, I mean, there's a hack for everything, all right? So you can go on YouTube, waste hours, but supposedly your life will improve, all right? Well, what I want you to do right now is I want you to imagine that I invent a life hack. And my life hack is incredibly simple, but also incredibly powerful. In fact, my life hack, if you were to apply it to your life, would save you millions of dollars over the course of your lifetime. And it would save you millions of hours. And anyone could do it. My life hack is so powerful that if they had a contest like American Idol of life hacks, mine would be the unanimous winner. I, I, it, would, it would take it all. My, my life hack is like the most interesting man in the world of life hacks. All right, This is the Chuck Norris of life hacks. This is the life hack that invents other life hacks. And imagine I just keep it to myself. I don't share it with anyone. 
I'm happily going along, saving my millions of dollars and my millions of hours, but I don't share it with anyone. What, what would you think of a guy like that? Probably think he's a little selfish. You know, just keep it to himself. Why not share it with others? Well, now imagine the opposite. Imagine that I become so passionate about my life hack that I share it with everyone, even if it requires sharing it at the top of my lungs, because I want everyone to get this. But the manner in which I share it actually pushes people away. And there would be people who would not do my life hack, not because it wasn't powerful, but simply because I'm a jerk. So now what I want you to do is I want you to take the word life hack, take it out, and stick in the word gospel. Because there are people who proclaim to be Christians who do that exact scenario. At Riverwood, we define the gospel as this ongoing story of God redeeming broken and imperfect people and restoring them into the perfect and complete image of Jesus. The gospel changes lives. It doesn't just save you millions of dollars. It saves everything. It saves your life. And yet, there are Christians who know this story and keep it to themselves. They, they don't share it. They, it's because they don't want to be pushy. They, they don't want to look weird. And, and so they just hold back. And they're happy knowing the story for themselves, but they don't interact with others and give it to them. But there are the opposite extreme. People who are adamant about the gospel. They are passionate and so it takes them to the streets where they yell and scream, hoping that just the sheer volume will somehow get it into the brains of other people. And that's what they think is going to be sharing the gospel. And yet, because of their method, many people shy away and pull back, not wanting to hear it. Well, today, as we get into the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to see Jesus simultaneously challenge us and encourage us. Because he's not going to let us go the politician route where we just say, oh, my faith is personal and private. Nor is he going to let us go the Westboro Baptist route where we just simply stand out on street corners holding up signs yelling for everyone to get our message. Instead, he's going to challenge us to go the Jesus route, which is going to require us to get into the lives of people, to interact with them, and as we do so, it makes a difference. As we give love, as we give grace, as we also live out truth, we then present the opportunity for people to have their lives changed by this gospel. So as we get ready to go to the Word, let's pray. So Father, as we open up to what you have written uh, centuries ago and has guided countless numbers of Jesus' followers, we ask that right now, as, as we sit down at your feet, that we would be learning ultimately from you. That this today would not be about what I just want to say, that this is about what you have for your people. So, Lord, I, I pray for everyone. They're, they're all at different spiritual places. Uh, some have been following you for a while. Some are new to this. Some may be seeking, and they're curious. And I pray that today you would help each person just take that step closer to being more like you. That you would help us to love people like you love them and to live among them as if you would. In Jesus' name, we pray for this. Amen. So let's go. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. You've already heard this once today, so let's hear it again. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, 
<laughs> Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. We see here Jesus talking about two elements, salt and light. But even though he's describing these two elements, he's really just making one point. And so because he's making one point, we're going to take these two elements and look at them together. And to help us see his one point, we're going to look at the property of salt and light. We're also going to see the problem with salt and light. And then we're going to see the purpose of salt and light and how it should change us. So first, the property. Salt in Jesus' day was very, very practical, useful, I would even say valuable. Because they did not have refrigeration like we do. And so their meat would spoil. And so what they would do is they would take salt and they would rub it into their meat. And when you do that, it creates an environment where bacteria and fungus can't grow, thus allowing it to keep, you know, remain so they could eat it later. And it also is going to help it be healthier for them. And so it wasn't like us where they just dash it on for some seasoning. They could do that, but it had a much more practical use. You, you see that it's one of its primary properties is that it was useful. It's the same with light. They didn't have electricity. And so to get their work done, they'd wait till the sun comes up. They go out, they get as much done as they could. And then sun goes down and the work outside ceases. And so they would light lamps inside their homes just to give them a few more hours together as a family, building relationships, maybe getting a little more work done. So the light was helpful. And they didn't have street lamps out to, to help them. So lights would help them not to stumble into things or stumble into another person. So like salt, light was very useful. But there's a couple problems with these two elements. The first problem is that they have to be applied. Like, if you don't put the salt in the meat, the, the meat's going to rot, and that's a problem. If you don't turn on the lamp, then you're going to still be in the dark, and you're going to bump into things, and that's a problem. But there's an even worse problem than that. My son, Salem, who's sitting back there, loves salty things. He Potato chips, I mean, you give him meat, forget the barbecue and you know, get ketchup. Oh, he doesn't want any of that stuff. Just give him the salt shaker, put that on his chicken. He is happy as could be. And so a few weeks ago, I remembered him saying something about how he wanted to try salt plain. And I, I thought, you know, I'm going to use this in my, my message. So I just better make sure. So I thought I'd interview him yesterday. I said, Salem, didn't you try salt recently? He's like, yeah. I said, did you like it? He goes, yeah. I'm thinking you're a liar. Let, let's try this again. And so, being a cruel dad, I pull out a spoon, put some sh salt on it. Here you go. He happily pops it in his mouth. I go, is it good? He goes, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Pretty soon, he's running to the fridge. He's getting to drink. And he's looking at me like, why did you do that to me, dad? I mean, yes, I, I'm cruel, just for a sermon illustration. <laughs> How many of you have tried it? Okay, yeah, thank you for admitting it. That's pretty disgusting, isn't it? Here is this incredibly helpful mineral that as you add it into things, it enhances the flavor, it makes it to last, and yet when you get it straight, it just causes you to contort. I mean, it's annoying, it's bothersome, it's, I would even say it's repulsive. How many of you have ever been in just the dark, asleep, 
And suddenly, bam, someone turns on the lights or flashlights right in the eye. Yeah, what's your reaction? Your eyes close, you pull back, you are repulsed. That's the problem with both salt and light. But there's also a purpose to them. You see, you have salt, you put it in the shaker, but how many of you just stick the shaker on the shelf as a decoration? Yeah, none of you. It's designed to come out of the shaker and to interact with the food. For them, in Jesus' day, it's to get into the meat to preserve it. It has to be applied. You see, the salt does not exist for itself. Salt exists for something else. Same with light. You do not wait until the sun comes up to turn on your flashlight. The only way light is effective is when it's in the dark. It goes into dark places, and then it's helpful. The light exists for something else. Now, I want you to notice, Jesus is not talking about salt and light because he's really, really curious about the culinary arts, or he's just fascinated by science. I mean, he probably was fascinated by science because he invented it. But he has a point here. And I want you to help see it by flipping back a page, well, in my Bible, back a page, to verse 1. We, we saw this last week, but I want to draw it out again. Here's Jesus. says that he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and he sat down. When a rabbi would sit down, it means he's getting ready to teach. And, and so the disciples would then sit at his feet to listen. So I would imagine that Jesus' guys they're, they're hanging out. Jesus sees the crowds like, hey, this seems like a good opportunity. So he sits down at the top of the hill. And the guys are like, oh, he's sitting down. He's going to start teaching. So they're trying to crowd in, get the best spots. And the crowd's curious. They're interested. So they start gathering around as well. So I want you to realize, Jesus is talking to those who say, I follow you, as well as to those who are kind of on the fringes. And so I want to just say that if you are not a follower of Jesus and you're here, I want to say, welcome, I'm glad you're here, and you are more than welcome to listen in. Because Jesus had people listening in who weren't his followers yet. But I'm going to let you know that we want you to know this gospel. We want you to know this ongoing story of God redeeming broken and imperfect lives and restoring them into the perfect, complete image of Jesus. And God does this through the cross of Christ. We want you to know the story. So we're going to invite you to find and follow Jesus. You can do it at your own pace. We think God's in charge of your story. But we invite you. But if you're here today and you say, yes, I follow Jesus, his, his gospel is the center of my life, then you are a disciple. That means that we right now are sitting at his feet. We're hearing him talk. And he's saying to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. Which means... We should have the property of salt and light. It means we should not be a problem like salt and light. And that we need to realize we have a purpose like salt and light. Is your property being useful? When you go to work, would your boss or your coworkers, would they say that you're helpful? When you're at school with your classmates, would your teachers describe you as helpful? When you're at home, would your parents or, or your spouse or, or would your children say that you are useful? Are you being out there interacting? When it comes to the gospel, are you avoiding? Are you just retreating? 
You're not living it out. You're not interacting with others. Or are you sometimes being annoying? There are some people who proclaim the name of Christ. They would say they're a Christian. And yet their way of sharing the gospel, of being salt and light, is to go to a restaurant, enjoy their meal, and then instead of leaving a tip, they leave fake money that looks like money. But when you pick it up, you open it up and it says, you thought you were getting money, didn't you? But I have something more valuable to give you. And then they try and tell you about Jesus. That's like salt on a spoon in the mouth. Or or there's people who will stand out on street corners, yelling and yelling and yelling, trying to get people to hear it. But that's like a light. Yes, they're saying the truth, but it's like a light blinding right in the eyes. It's not helpful. It actually pushes people away. Are you being a problem like salt and light? Because you see, you're supposed to have the purpose of salt and light. If you proclaim to follow Jesus, then you should be out there with the meat, interacting with it. You should be in the dark places, shining the light down so people can see the path and they can begin to follow. That's what you're called to do. That is your purpose. Back in the 1600s, the pilgrims began to make their way across the Atlantic Ocean. I I learned this week. I didn't know this. Maybe you did. They actually tried two previous times to leave. And they were trying to bring two ships, one for people, one for cargo. And the ship that had the people had a leak. And they had to turn around and come back. And that happened twice. So finally, they abandoned that ship, brought everyone over to the cargo ship. And so they all crowded into this vessel and began to make their way. And they'd been told how long it would take. And it took much longer It was a hard journey. By the time they arrived on the shores, they end up landing in Plymouth Rock in the New England area, and winter begins to set in. And even though most all of them had survived the journey over, half of them died in that first winter. It was so hard. And and by that time, they've they've used up all the stores that they brought with them. And now they got to figure out, how do we plant? How do we survive? How do we make it? And then they've heard about these savages that are in the area. So they, they actually built a fort to protect them. And one day they see one of these savages, a warrior of a local tribe, begin to approach their encampment. Some of the guys go and grab their guns and they hold them out. And all of a sudden they hear in English, Welcome, Englishmen! How, do, how does this guy know English? His name was Samoset. And he had learned a little bit of English from some previous explorers. So he knew how to say, welcome. And and then in his broken English, he began to try and explain, I don't know English very well, but there's one person in our tribe who does. I will go and get him, and he will help you. You've maybe heard of him. His name was Squanto. Squanto comes in and knows English. Because when he was a kid... Some previous explorers had come over, kidnapped him, and took him back to England, where he learned English as a slave. And somehow he managed to escape, get on a ship, and return back, only to discover that his tribe had been obliterated. So he joins up with a different tribe and begins to live with them. And now, here are some other Englishmen. You wouldn't blame Squanto if he just said, I'm going to avoid him. Nope, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I, I might end up in slavery. They're going to abuse me. Nope, they're on their own. And he just stays back. 
Or he could start yelling at them. You guys represent the evil empire. You guys took my life. Or, or, or he could say, all right, I will help you, but you must learn my language. I had to go and learn your language, so you've got to learn mine. And you've got to take on our customs, and you've got to take on our dress, and you've got to take on our ways. If you become like us, then I will help you. But he didn't. He began to show them what seed grew well, how to plant. Simple things like, you know, if they took fish and used a portion of it and put it in with the seed, it would actually then help provide fertilizer to help them grow even better. They had a bountiful harvest. And that's what then led to that very first Thanksgiving, which we remember every November. All because a guy named Squanto helped him. Squanto was being salt. He helped to preserve the pilgrims. He was being light. The, the pilgrims were in a very dark place. And he, in a sense, flipped on the flashlight and showed them the path of how they could make it. That's Jesus' point. You've got to get in there into people's lives, even when it's messy, even when you may be confused, even when you may be a little bit scared. Because God did not create you to just exist for yourself, to just stay back and remain quiet. He existed you to get in there and to help preserve them, to help shine the light, to give them grace and to share the truth, to love them like Jesus would love them and to live among them as if Jesus were living with them. If you follow Jesus, this is your purpose. So today I want to give you a reminder, a physical reminder to be salt and light this week. And that reminder is a rubber band. I mean, obviously, we're talking about salt and light. So of course we pass out rubber bands to everyone, right? Well, think about it. The rubber band, it is useful. Yes, like salt and light. Very useful. But it can also be annoying. Right? Like right now, if I threatened to shoot a bunch of you, you'd probably want to take your rubber bands and shoot me back. I, I should have said you guys should wait on passing those out. I might be in trouble here. <laughs> but think about it. If you get snapped with one, it hurts. It repels you. It pushes you away. But they also did not create the rubber band to just sit in a package or sit on your table. It was designed to stretch, to go around something, and to help hold it together. Now, some of you... You are like a rubber band that is all balled up. You may look great on the outside, but inside, you're a mess. Maybe you're fighting some sort of addiction, and you're keeping quiet about it. Maybe there's some things going on from your past, and it's really eating on you. Maybe there's something else going on, stuff at work, stuff within your home. Maybe there's just some spiritual questions. And right now, you are just all wrapped up around yourself. As I hold this thing in my fingers, I can feel it. It's wanting to pop out. This is not what it was designed for. It is not at rest. Jesus did not design you and save you so that you could be a balled-up, stressed mess. The gospel is to come in and redeem broken and imperfect people and restore them into the perfect and complete image of Jesus. So if you are a balled up mess, then I want to encourage you, let this rubber band be a reminder that you need to preach the gospel to yourself. You need to get back into the scriptures. You need to talk to God. If you're fighting an addiction, recruit a couple of friends to help you get through it. If you need counseling, go and get it. Don't be embarrassed by it. 
Because this is not what you were created for. You were created for so much more. So, find the gospel. Let it apply to your life. Let Jesus begin his work and re- begin to restore you into the image of him. Now, many of you are here, and you're, you're a rest. You, you, you feel fine. You're, you're not a mess. I mean, life is going good. You've you got a great family. You, you've got a job. I mean, there's activities you enjoy. I mean, life is all, it's good. But yet, you're just sitting there. You're not really serving. You just, you go to work, you put in your time, you go to your kids' games, and there you are. And you're not really stretching to serve someone else. You weren't made to just be. You were made for so much more. Now, I'm not encouraging you to radically change your schedule. What I'm encouraging you to do is to stretch in the schedule you already have. Many of you go to work. How can you go to work and stretch and bring people together? How can you go to your kids' ball games? And rather than just sit on the bleachers like all the other parents and watch everything, how can you begin to be a blessing to the other parents that are also being tortured by the cold weather and having to sit out there? The clubs you're in, the, the, the places you're volunteering, how can you go and be a blessing there? How can you stretch to draw people together? So let this rubber band this week be a reminder. Just stick it on your wrist. And if you're struggling, may this be a reminder that God is inviting you into the gospel and to let him work in you, that he become that salt and it get into you and that he would preserve you. He would restore you. So this is your reminder to get into the scriptures, to talk to God, to listen to worship music, to, to seek counseling, to get help. And if you're at rest, things are going well, may this be a reminder, stretch, serve others, get around them. And if your life right now is too much where you're so stretched, you feel like you're going to snap, may this be the reminder. Why do I need to let go? What am I filling my life with that doesn't matter? It's not contributing. Is there some things I can take out so that I can come back to where God has me so that I am really able to love people like Jesus would love them and to live among them like Jesus would live among them? So may this be a reminder this week. But as it serves as a reminder, do not get fooled into what so many of us get thinking. All right, we just got to go and just got to serve hard. I just got to go out there and be salt and, and be light. I, I'm just going to go and be a rubber band. Because if you try and go and do it in your own strength, you, you do it in your own way, you're doing it so that you feel good. You're doing it so that you get the glory. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And it's because you're his follower. So your saltiness comes from Jesus. Your light, it's empowered by the gospel. Your stretchiness comes because you have the Holy Spirit in you. So don't try and go and just do this because, all right, we've heard a you know, great sermon. We're going to go out and just you know, do this. No, this is a reminder. Tap into Jesus. He's the one who makes you stretch. He's the one who empowers you. So if you want to be salt, get into Christ. And let him make you salt so that you can preserve people and give them grace. You want to be light? Tap into Jesus. Let him empower you so that you can shine the path for people to find and follow him. You want to stretch? Tap into Jesus. And he will use you to come around people in situations and draw it together. And people will find comfort in him. Because notice what the text says. 
Verse 16. That when you let your light shine before men, when you are, when you are salt, when, when you are a rubber band stretching around them, they will then see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's why you can't go and try and do this on your own. If you do, you're trying to do it for your own glory. But when you do this because of Jesus and he's your motivation, people see it. They are impacted by it. They are blessed by it. And what do they do? They might say thank you to you, but ultimately they're going to give glory to your Father in heaven. And so, I want to encourage you. Be salt. Go out there and let God use you to preserve people. Be light. Let God use you to shine the path towards Christ. Be a rubber band. Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to fulfill this. That Holy Spirit, you would come and empower us to be that salt. We would season our relationships with the gospel. That we would go into situations and we would be light. That we wouldn't be scared of the darkness because we have the light of you in us. And so we would gladly build relationships with anyone and everyone because you love them, you died for them, and we can be your light to them. So Lord, help these simple rubber bands be a reminder. We're not to be annoying and snap at others. That our use, our purpose is to go in and help and to serve. May, may this impact our homes, impact our marriages, would it impact our workplaces, would it impact our, our, our clubs, our, our friends, the organizations we're part of, and may it even impact our church family. Because I'm convinced, God, that what this world needs is more people who will love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived, that they would make you the center of their life. So that's why I just pray right now for anyone that might be here that has not fully surrendered themselves to you, that today would be the day that they would say they want to follow you, that you gave your life for them, and so now they give their life to follow you to the ends of the earth so that they aren't just simply trying to survive, but rather to thrive. And that today they can become salt. They can become light. They can be that rubber band. And Lord, for those that are already your followers, that today would just be a simple reminder of what you've called us to, that there is to be a certain quality about us. You've not called us to be a problem that, that actually repulses people and pushes them away, but rather we should get out there and serve them so that we can draw them in. Because your scriptures say that when you are lifted up, you will draw all men to you. So God, help us to lift you up in our life that Jesus would be the center of who we are and that our speech would be seasoned with his gospel and with his grace and your light would shine through our eyes and through our mouths and people would find themselves wanting to be around us, not because we're so great and glorious, but because they see your light, they see our good works and they would want to give glory to you. So Father, would you do this for your glory and for our joy? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.